0: Well, back in the summer of 2014, I did the thing that a lot of men or a lot of husbands fear the most. I sat down with my father in law and I asked for his blessing to marry my current wife, my wife Maddie. I'm kidding, uh, but I asked for his blessing to marry Maddie, and it was one of those things where it's like, yes, I am the complete package, and so there's really nothing to worry about. Totally kidding, obviously, but. If you've been in that position before even if you have a great relationship with your father-in-law like I do I have a great relationship with Scott he's a great, he's a great guy but it is a scary moment if you had to sit down your father-in-law before You you know to ask for the blessing. You know how nerve wracking it can be. I remember calling him up and saying, "Hey, Scott, can I take you out for a beer at Cambridge Bar and Grill?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Which he was oblivious to what it was. But how often does your daughter's boyfriend ask that question? So, should have stopped coming. But as I was sitting there waiting for Scott to get there, you know, I could just feel the sweats on my upper lip. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, my stomach is turning. I don't know how this is gonna go." It went great. It went great. But he asked me a, a bunch of questions, and the the biggest question that he asked me. I gave possibly the worst answer to, but maybe the most honest answer to. He said, Justin, are you sure you're ready to get married? And this is the dumbest thing I could have said, but I said it. I said, well, is anybody ever really ready to do anything they've never done before? No, but I think we'll figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that, you know, gave him a lot of confidence in me, but it was honest, right? How many of you, you know, you're married, have you been married before? No, so you, you, you're trying to figure it out. It's with everything that we do in life, it's just like, walk as we go. But he was like, huh, <laughs> right? You should say, yes, I'm ready. Here's my plan. This is my daughter, right? Take care of her. So that was funny. But it took a lot of, I'll, you know, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. It took a lot of courage. <laughs> I had to muster up a lot of courage to have that conversation, with Scott, and I want to ask you the same question: What have you had to have courage in your life too? Maybe it's a funny story like mine, or maybe it's a really big deal that has happened in your life. But I think we all have these moments where we have to kind of step out in in courage or in character to do something that we need to do, or to do something adventurous or whatever it is. But we all have these moments in life where we need to step out with courage and character, and that's our goal today for. The sermon. As we enter into Ruth chapter 3, my goal today is that you step out in courage and character in 2021. And I'm not just talking about your future spouse and getting married or going to Alaska on a whim because you want to go deep sea fishing. I'm talking about we live in one of the most godless and secular states of our entire world that we've ever really been in before. Our world is leaning more and more secular every year that passes. And as we look around our world, we see so many people, whether it's you know, a president or a politician or a neighbor who hasn't given us back the rake in three years or our wife who really frustrates us sometimes or a husband who really frustrates us or so our kids. We can point the finger at everybody else for lacking courage and character. But we can't control what other people do. We can only control what we do. And so my goal for us today is that we step out in courage and in character in our own lives. But what I want us to hear in this too is that we can't do this without Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in our lives, because what we're going to find out is that stepping out in life with courage and with character isn't just about like, hey, I have a job, so I need to work really hard because I get a paycheck. It's a very moral thing to do, right? Work hard. Don't spend time on social media while you're working, but you get a paycheck, so work hard. Tax season is coming up. Make sure you file your taxes correctly. It doesn't take a lot of courage and character to do that, right? We just do that all the time. But what I'm leading us to is that there are going to be moments in our lives where it's very, very difficult. And as Christians, how are we going to to respond when the going gets tough? How are we going to respond when people around us are lacking courage or character? How are we going to respond when there are opportunities for us to either follow the world or follow our own hearts when really God is calling us to follow him? And in the stories so far that we've read about Ruth, we have seen her step out in courage and in character in a lot of different ways. I mean, Pastor Bill, last week, he talked all about how she went to an unknown place with an unknown God and an unknown man and an unknown place where she was in her life. It was unknown territory. And yet Ruth stepped out with this sort of amazing courage. And I want to kind of recap the story before we get into Ruth chapter 3 in case case you've missed it or you've completely forgotten about it because you don't pay attention when we speak during our sermons. That's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I don't either. I'm kidding. But so Ruth has started out like this. Naomi and Ruth. Naomi is... Ruth's father, or er, father in law, <laughs> mother in law. It's already getting weird. So Naomi is Ruth's mother in law, and they're both widows. Both their husbands have tragically passed away, and they have no sons in their family line. So they're both trying to A, provide for themselves, because in this culture in this tradition back you know in this time it was very difficult for women to do so especially if you're a widow just how the society was structured and not only that but they had no sons right so trying to keep the family name going then they had this piece of property that was able to make them money but in the jewish law if your husband dies that property gets sold but you have to have this redeemer to come into your family and buy back the property is this whole mess but naomi and ruth are widows and they're very poor And Ruth decides that she's going to follow her mother-in-law wherever she goes. She has this amazing moment where where Naomi says to Ruth, like, Ruth, go start your own life. You're young. You're attractive. Go get married. Go find somebody else. Start a new life. And Ruth says, no, my commitment is to you, my mother-in-law. And it's this amazing moment of, like, how many of us would be that committed to our in-laws, right? Hey, I don't think it would happen very often. But the story is painting the picture of God is faithful to his people in the same way that Ruth was faithful to her mother-in-law and she stuck by her side. It's this amazing picture. And so as they get into this new city, both Ruth and Naomi, Ruth starts working as a servant to a man named Boaz, but she doesn't really know who he is. And she, he doesn't really know who she is. And in, in old Jewish law, how this worked was, you could, if you worked as a servant, you could pick up any extra scraps from a field, and it would legally be yours. So she was harvesting wheat with Boaz, and if the, if the tractors, they don't have tractors, but you know what I mean? They had their own hand plows. If the hand plows missed any, they'd be able to pick it up, and that would be theirs. That would be their, their taking for the day. They're serving for the day, and Boaz couldn't come back and say, hey, I need that. It's It's... Hers. And so this is how poor they were. This is how needy they were. They had to become servants. They were taking extras from the field. They were in this dire state of, oh my goodness, we are, we are kind of leeching off other people just to take care of our needs. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today in Ruth chapter 3. As soon as Ruth finds out that she is working in Boaz's field for Boaz, she goes back to Naomi, her mother-in-law. And she tells her all about the experience she's had. And then it clicks in Naomi's mind. And she says, Boaz, Boaz is our family member. Now, this is going to be really important in a few minutes. But what happens in, in Israelite and in Jewish law is that there can be a family member. If, if you're a widow, there can be a family member in your own family that picks up and sort of redeems your family, sort of protects them and provides for them. It's called a guardian redeemer. We're going to see that play out in this story. But this is where it gets really important. And so here is where we're going to pick up in Ruth chapter 3, verse 5. Naomi tells Ruth to go make herself available to Boaz. Now, it's Naomi's blood family member. It is not Ruth. So there's no promotion of incest here. Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> but here's what Ruth says. She says, I will do whatever you say to Naomi. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did everything that her mother-in-law told us to do. Very relatable, right? We all listen to our in-laws a lot. But when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And Ruth approached quietly and uncovered his feet, and she laid down. Now, this is another instance where we are seeing sort of the courage and the character of. Ruth. Her mother-in-law told her, hey, this is Boaz. He can be the guardian redeemer of our family. He can pick us up. He can provide for us, protect us. He can take care of us. So go make yourself available to him. Don't look like a widow, but get dressed up. Get yourself, you know, looking good again, and go propose to him, and hopefully he will become the guardian redeemer of our family. And Ruth listens to that, and we're seeing this character. It's very simple, right? It's very, she's just listening to what her mother-in-law says, but we're getting an insight into the kind of noble woman that Ruth truly is. Because in the Ten Commandments, right, honor your father and mother. Very simple, yet it's profound. Ruth is a good woman. And she, so she goes into, while, while he's sleeping, and she uncovers his feet. super weird, (laughs) right? So there's got to be some sort of symbolic meaning because how many of you, you know, you walk up to a future spouse and you uncover their feet while they're sleeping? That's super odd. So I looked into it, and I read a lot of commentaries, and I I read a lot of, you know, well-respected theologians and their perspective on what this could mean and what it could symbolize in the Bible. And it turns out that all of these theologians have come to this consensus that if you uncover somebody's feet, the cold breeze will help wake somebody up. So it's not very deep at all. I thought I was going to uncover some deep truth about the Bible. But it just was there to, to help wake Boaz up. And so when he wakes up, it says, in the middle of the night, something startled him. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. And she said, I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are the guardian redeemer of our family. All right, so Ruth comes to Boaz in the middle of the night, uncovers his feet, lays next to him. He wakes up. Now, put yourself into the story, right? This is super odd. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody laying at the foot of your bed? We sleep with guns now, but that would be a very scary place to be in for, for Boaz. But what we're seeing is, this is not just a story of a romance or somebody's just stepping out with this courage and character. What we're seeing in this story when when Ruth asked Boaz to be the guardian redeemer of their family, is we are now getting a picture of Jesus and this Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah. That would be the guardian redeemer for us. See, a guardian redeemer, I've hinted at it already, but a guardian redeemer is somebody who who comes and takes care of a family whether it's financially like what they what they would do back in the Old Testament is if you're related to somebody who was wealthy or had a lot of status and if you were poor if you were a widow they could come buy back your land or they could you know if you read some commentaries it would say something about like avenge some murders that have happened in the family it's like it sounds so crazy but what this is all about is If you are in a needy spot, if you are in a state where you cannot take care of yourself without the help of other people, if you're in a spot where you lack so much money that you're poor or you're homeless or you're just in a state where it is nothing that you can do by your own power, you cannot take care of yourself or your family member, you can have a different family member step into you and protect you, provide for you, and come into your life and completely change everything by taking care of you, doing what you cannot do for yourself. Who is this a picture of us in our lives? Boaz was the family redeemer for Ruth and Naomi, but Jesus is the family, the guardian redeemer for us. And we look at our own lives, and I look at my life and the anger that has been in my life, the sin that has been in my life, the brokenness that has been in my life, and the constant state of, I cannot save myself. I cannot pick myself up. I cannot take care of some of the brokenness in my heart. It has to be somebody else. It has to be outside of me. And I tried so many different things. And I think most of us have tried. We've gotten hooked on vices. For me, I turned to drugs and alcohol when I was in high school. I've turned to so many different things, trying to pick myself up, trying to to change my life, trying to make myself feel better, but nothing ever worked. And when I met Jesus, it was like this weight lifted off my shoulders. When I gave my life to him, crying on my basement, bedroom floor, it was like this amazing moment where my heart was for the first time full and fulfilled. And I felt like it was not just me trying to live my own life anymore, but Jesus is right here with me. And if we're sitting here today, the chances are that most of us have had an experience like this where we've come to the the realization that we cannot take care of ourselves, that our addictions are too strong, that our anger is too strong, that we might have good days and good weeks, but there's going to be a time where we break again and we need a guardian redeemer in our own life to pick us up, to save us, and to change us. See, the story of Ruth and Boaz is not just a, oh, this is an amazing, but also kind of a weird romantic, encouraging character story. It is, This is Ruth meeting Jesus. And if we want to have a better 2021 than what we had in 2020, we need to be with Jesus. We need to step out in courage and in character. And like I said before, it's not just about making the right decisions on your taxes or working hard or not stealing. We don't just want to be moral people. We want to come to the feet of Jesus and be led by him. And this is what I love about this story. It's super weird that Ruth would go to Boaz's feet. She would just uncover his feet and she would lay and wait until he wakes up. And she would ask him to be the guardian redeemer. But as I was reading this story and studying a little bit, it gave me a picture into the New Testament. Where else do we see something like this happening? in the story of Mary and Martha, right? Martha's the busybody who was trying to get all the stuff ready for, the, for all the disciples and Jesus that were coming over to the house. And Mary's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus listening to what he has to say. This is exactly what Ruth is doing with Boaz. Here's what it, what it says in uh, Luke chapter 10. I'm all backed up in my notes here, but that's Okay. <laughs> It says, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what will what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What did Mary choose to do? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus responds to her by saying, That is the one thing that is needed. So what is the one thing that is needed? If we want to step out in courage and in character in 2021, if we don't want to go back to what we experienced in 2020 with all the anger and the fear and the divisiveness and the gracelessness of our not just our world, but even our own lives and the struggles that we had personally with sin and brokenness, what our call to do isn't just to to do the right things. Our call by Jesus is to come sit at his feet, This is a very ancient Middle East Jewish practice, but to sit at the feet of somebody is to symbolize submission to them. And this is what we so desperately need in our lives today, to submit to Jesus in every area of our lives, to devote our lives to him, not just good works, but to Jesus himself. And we're seeing this in the Old Testament. We're seeing this in the New Testament. From, from Ruth to Boaz to Mary and Martha. And what we're getting is, is this recurring theme in all of Scripture that being a Christian is not about just coming to church on Sundays and being a Christian is not about just doing the right things, but it's being led by the Holy Spirit of Jesus, submitting to Him. That when He impresses something on your heart, to whether it's to be generous to somebody, we'd be generous even if we don't have what it takes. When he calls us to pray for somebody, whether it's our best friend or if it's the cashier at Walmart. I think I've shared this story before, but I, before I walked into Walmart one day, I was like, just felt led to, to pray, and I just asked Jesus, like, Hey, Jesus, if there's somebody in Walmart today that you want me to pray for, open the door for it. Didn't know who was going to be, didn't know who was going to be there. Super odd, and I'm, that makes me very uncomfortable as an introvert, but as I'm checking out, here comes george and i think some of you guys know george at walmart but here comes george and george starts telling me about his story i was like george can i pray for you (laughs) just amazing what god does right in that moment it was like jesus works being a christian is not just about doing the right things it's about jesus what do you have for us today what do you have for me this year how can I step out in courage and in character and follow you and submit to you? Because I know that my life is so much better with you, Jesus. I know that you can do. God's gonna lead us in so just Sit and I listen and I read and I pray. God's gonna lead us in so many ways. By the grace of God, we're gonna see so much work in his life, in our lives. And I've, there's a quote in a book that I read last year, but. You know, it goes like this. It terrifies me that, you know, I could let my life pass me by without seeing the work of God in my life. I think it, it's something that we all need. It should terrify us that we can live a whole 85 years, if we're lucky, without seeing the works of God displayed in our lives. God wants to work here. And now, and we see it in the story of Ruth and Boaz, we see it in the story of Mary and Martha, and I've seen it in my own life. When we submit to him and sit at his feet, he does amazing things. And we get this closing picture of Jesus, of Boaz being Jesus when he responds to Ruth. Because Ruth comes in and she asks him, hey, be the guardian redeemer. Essentially what she's doing is proposing to him and asking him to come save and redeem the family. And here's Boaz's response. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. Now, not actually his daughter, right? It's a figure of speech. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. And all the people of my own town know that you are a woman of noble character. This is a beautiful response of love and of grace from Boaz. You know, so many times we have this idea in our own minds that when we try to get right with God, when we try to come to church, he's just going to be frustrated. Like even just walking through the doors at church sometimes, it's just like, oh, we can already feel the condemnation. But that condemnation is, and that judgment that we put on ourselves is exactly that. We put that on ourselves. Because when Boaz responds to Ruth, he is saying, hey, grace and love. I'm accepting you. I'm becoming your guardian redeemer. This is all grace and love totally with no obligation this is Boaz's choice but with grace and love he accepts Ruth and Naomi into his family as the guardian redeemer and this is exactly how God responds to us it is not judgment and condemnation like oh you messed up again I, you, I, I'm going to discipline you before you can get right with me no it's grace and it's love when Jesus accepts us he does it with grace and his love and he accepts us into his family John 1 says all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God there's no prerequisites to becoming a Christian it is we are going to devote our lives to him and he is going to not pass judgment and and conviction on us constantly and all this constant condemnation It is going to be grace and love And what's beautiful about this is that so many of us have things that we deserve to be judged for. I look at my life and I just, I do not deserve to stand here. I do not deserve the grace and the love of God. But that's exactly what he gives me every single time. And it's exactly what he gives you every single time. This is the power of the story of Ruth and Boaz. And what I love about her story too is that, and what did she do? She didn't part a Red Sea. She didn't lead the Israelites through an exile. She didn't go up to a mountain with God and receive the Ten Commandments, and her face was glowing. Now, Ruth is super normal with a super normal story, just like you and I. You know, I read the Bible sometimes, and it's like, oh, I just want to be just like David. (laughs) I want to slay a Goliath one day. I want to be just like Moses. I want to be a leader one day. It's like God chooses certain people for certain tasks. But the majority of us, we're going to be pretty normal. But think of your normal story. Whether you have a background in drugs or alcohol, or you have a background in pornography or adultery, or you have a background in me lying or cheating or just brokenness and sin. We feel like we're outliers because we know the severity of our own sin, which makes us feel like we're terrible people, which makes us feel like we're outliers but we're pretty normal people. And we put ourselves in the story of Ruth and Boaz, and we're Ruth. We are at the feet of Jesus, not able to pick ourselves up. We are at the feet of Jesus, desperately seeking himself and his presence and his power because we cannot do it ourselves. And Jesus gives it every single time. He is the God of grace and of love. In Church, we don't want to go back to what we had in 2020. We don't want to go back to the divisiveness, the anger, the fear, the frustration, the sin. We want to step out in 2021 with courage and with character. And we want to see what God can do through us. But like I said, it's not about just making the right decisions. An atheist can make the right decision. If we're going to step out with courage and with character and see what God can do in us in 2021... We need to do what Ruth did for Boaz. And we need to do what Mary did with Jesus. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Submit to him. Carve out some time for prayer every single day. Carve out some time for Bible reading every single day. Every single day. Get to church on Sundays or watch online every Sunday. Be involved and see what God can do through you. The most important thing is submitting to Jesus. Allowing him to be your guardian redeemer. And redeem not just your family, but redeem your heart and your soul and your mind to lead you in 2021. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much for everything that you do for us. And Lord, as we look at ourselves and you know, I look at myself, and I just see sin and brokenness and frustration. Yet God, you cover me with your grace and your love, just as Boaz covered Ruth. And so Lord, I come before you, Lord, thankful for everything that you've done. Thankful for your sacrifice, Lord, that, Jesus, you walked this earth, and you healed people, you changed lives, and then you died on the cross for our sins. You are our guardian redeemer. So, God, thank you. We praise you, and we love you. Amen.